Morning prayer begins on page three of the prayer book. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Continuing on the bottom of page seven. O Lord, open thou our lips, and our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. For the Benite, Psalm 95, on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 39 on page 389. I said I will take heed to my ways, that I offend not in my tongue. I will keep my mouth, as it were, with a bridle, while the ungodly is in my sight. I held my tongue and spake nothing. I kept silence, yea, even from good words, but it was pain and grief to me. My heart was hot within me, and while I was thus musing, the fire kindled, and at the last I spake, spake with my tongue. Lord, let me know mine end and the number of my days, that I may be certified how long I have to live. Behold, thou hast made my days, as it were, a span long and mine age is even as nothing in respect of thee. And verily every man living is altogether vanity. For man walketh in a vain shadow, and disquieteth himself in vain. He heapeth up riches, and cannot tell who shall gather them. And now, Lord, what is my hope? Truly my hope is even in thee. Deliver me from all my offenses, and make me not a rebuke unto the foolish. I became dumb, and opened not my mouth, for it was thy doing. Take thy plague away from me. I am even consumed by the means of thy heavy hand. When thou with rebukes dost chasten man for sin, thou makest his beauty to consume away, like it, as it were a moth fretting a garment. Every man therefore is but vanity. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and with thine ears consider my calling. Hold not thy peace at my tears. For I am a stranger with thee, and a sojourner, as all my fathers were. 
O spare me a little that I may recover my strength before I go hence and be no more seen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the fourth chapter of the book of First Samuel. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped besides Ebenezer, and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines, who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And when the people had come to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us. But when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring from there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord uh, came into camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and Israel was defeated, and every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter, and there fell, uh, and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Also the ark of God was captured, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day, and came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dirt on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on a seat by the wayside, watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of God. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. Then Eli heard the noise of the outcry and said, what does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man came hastily and told Eli. Eli was ninety-eight years old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. <clears throat> then the man said to Eli, I am he who came from the battle, <coughs> and I fled today from the battle line. And he said, What happened, my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines, and there has been a great slaughter among the people. Also your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. <coughs> then it happened, when he made mention of the ark of God, that Eli fell off the seat backwards by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died, for the man was old and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phinehas's wife, was with child, due to be delivered, but when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, 
she bowed herself and gave birth, for her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel, because the ark of God had been captured, and because of her father-in-law and her husband. And she said, The glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. Here endeth the first lesson. Together, Benedictus S. on page 11. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 37th verse of the 11th chapter of St. Luke. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and sat down to eat. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass by justice and the love of God, those you ought to have done, without leaving the others undone. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things you reproach us also. And he said, Woe to you also, you lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which are shed from the foundation of the world may be required from this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the temple, yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge, you did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. And as he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and to cross-examine him about many things, lying in wait for him and seeking to catch him in something he might say that they might accuse him. 
here ended the second lesson. Together, Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers and remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people for the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sin in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified dead and buried, he descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> o Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O God, who hast prepared for those who love thee such good things as past man's understanding, pour into our hearts such love toward thee, that we, loving thee above all things, may obtain thy promises, which exceed all that we can desire through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, and knowledge of whom standeth the eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us, thy humble servants, and all the assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, 
and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings being ordered by thy governance may be righteous in thy sight through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. morning to all. Our lessons this morning, the interest, they form an interesting contrast uh, between the poles of sort of false religion. Uh, on the one hand, we have the situation where Israel going to battle with the corrupt temple at Shiloh and the fall of that temple and, and with the defeat at the hands of the Philistines. And, you know, we've, we've been reading through the story of Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, how uh, Eli's sons were disobedient. They didn't follow the rules for the sacrifice to grab what they wanted. They didn't allow the sacrifices to proceed in the right way prescribed by the Torah. Um, and how Eli didn't pay any attention to that, how the word of God came to Eli saying that this was a problem, and Eli just didn't act on it, didn't do what God said to do. And so there's the sense of you're still offering sacrifices. There's still a form of religion at Shiloh in which people sort of pretend to, to follow the God of Israel, but they're not really doing what he said to do. And there's disobedience at, at the highest leadership levels. And so we go into battle and we face our enemy and it was, why are we being defeated? Well, let's go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring bring that out. And, and in this sense, the Ark acts like for Israel is a kind of magic thing. The presence of God will somehow substitute for their own uh, need to obey, let's hear God's word and obey it. And we'll see in the time ahead that God will actually win the battle all by himself without any help from Israel at all. Uh, in, in the event, but um, this represents kind of the way people have a, a sort of outward form of faith. You know, I believe in Jesus, but they don't really do what Jesus asked them to do in their life and their morality and their dealings with people. But there might be like religious symbols. Well, you know, we, we, we wear a cross or we have a thing that we turn to and we, we pray when it gets really tough. But but the word of God isn't being um, followed. And that's sort of this, this laxity of religion. And on the other hand, in, in the Pharisees in the New Testament, we have legalistic religion where, where the focus is on, um, Deacon Andrew gave a very nice sermon yesterday about this, about the, the tradition of Israel that developed in the time between the Testaments uh, about how you obey a law. And so the, the, the objection to Jesus not washing hands, it didn't say in the Torah that you needed to wash your hands before you ate. But they had developed cleanliness rules in addition to the Torah, and the Pharisees focused on these rules that focused that served as a kind of boundary around the Torah, what they call a fence around the law. But in their focusing on the details of the tradition, they they missed the essence of the law, the law of love. And here they are: the Word made flesh is having dinner with them. And rather than, you know, paying attention to the word of God, they're concerned that he didn't wash hands. And that's what legalistic religion does. It picks on some surface thing and misses the point of, of the Torah. <clears throat> we should note historically that this is, in Israel, it was kind of a progression. A lot of times people think of Old Testament religion as legalistic. O Old Testament religion wasn't legalistic at all. It was characterized by what we see in the Samuel lesson 
it was characterized by laxity, by the idea that God was with us in the temple, <clears throat> and somehow that would make up for the fact that we're we're all practicing idolatry in local areas. The legalism came in at the end of the Old Testament when Israel went into exile in Babylon, and um, Israel, the temple, was destroyed. <clears throat> it was in this a sort of sober response to that judgment that there arose this kind of, well, if, if God judged us because we didn't keep the law, <clears throat> excuse me, we better um, make really a real point to keep it now. And we see in, for example, at the end of the Old Testament in Nehemiah, the genesis of the New Testament Pharisee, where, okay, we're going to really keep the Sabbath and really figure out how to get this right so God won't judge us again. And that so, whereas laxity misses <clears throat> the point of the law on, on baptizing compromise, legalism misses the point of the law by focusing on the surface and missing its essence. What's interesting about both of those errors is they neither of them deal with the reality of sin. They both avoid sin, um, one by just accepting it and the other by focusing on surface obedience that misses the the sin that's in one's heart. And that's kind of what Jesus in our lesson for our, go our gospel lesson uh, for, for Sunday, where, um, you know, you've heard it was said by those of old, don't kill. But I say, if you're angry, well, you can cover up, you can pretend to be righteous because you didn't kill, but that will cover up the fact that you, you harbor inward anger. And everybody does because it's a reality of sin. So this is why true religion always begins with repentance, with confronting the reality we don't really keep the law and being aware of that through conviction. And that's why at every point in the New Testament, um, there's the call to repent. John the Baptist begins, repent. Jesus begins, repent. Uh, Peter on Pentecost, after he gives a sermon, repent. And, and we can only begin to be righteous by realizing that we aren't righteous. That's why our liturgies have such a constant emphasis on confession. It's, it's we, we grow in the awareness that we haven't loved as we ought to love. And that's the basis for now beginning to love as we should love, recognizing our human failure, receiving the grace of forgiveness, and, and then in the Holy Spirit, in the, in the grace Spirit gives us going forth and loving in a new way. And so, we just need to remember that um, true religion always comes out of obedience from the heart. We have to be aware in our lives of that compromise where we think, oh, well, it's no big, you know, you can't really do anything about this. You know, everyone does, you know, compromises somewhere, no big deal. Uh, as long as we go to church and pray, uh, that's not going to work because literally God can't bless us. God blesses us through our obedience to his word, blessings accrue naturally to doing what God says, that leads to results that are blessing. You can't not do what God says and achieve blessing. And then, on the other hand, beware of being too concerned about the surface rules of our religion, but, but somehow missing the essence or the, or the command to love our neighbor um, and missing the presence of Christ in situations because we're too concerned about the details of, of, of the rules. The true religion is begins with conviction of heart, the experience of grace, and then always <clears throat> moves out with with um, the attempt to love uh, God and people every day in new ways. So a few thoughts about today's lessons.
Uh, this morning for prayer, we're going to finish with the intercession, which is on page 590 of the Book of Common Prayer. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done as good, and pardon all those who have done or wish as evil, and give them repentance and better mind. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. We'll pause for a moment for all present to remember their personal intercessions. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities. For his sake, on about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Grace for our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost with us all evermore. Amen. Good to be with you all. Morning prayer today. Have a blessed Monday. Great start to the week. Thank you, Bishop Scarlett. Have a Thank you, Bishop. Day, everybody. Bye, kiddos. Mm -hmm.